And welcome back to the ATI podcast. We are live, hot, heavy, emphasis on hot. Episode eighty-four. <laughs> we are literally sweating our balls off to it's bring you folks hot. this. Yeah, dude, I'm just so over this heat wave. This is a historic heat wave. And heat I feel, dome. I feel like it's like historic every year. We have new heat waves that are historic. Right? Man. I got that heat dome in my pants. If you know what I'm saying, right there. My, my pool balls are screaming right now. <laughs> We're gonna suffer through it though tonight. Guys, we're going to be bringing you a very special interview conversation with Michael from Still. We're going to talk about all the cool things Still has going on. Still is a St. Louis band, shoegaze band that is specifically. And I think they're kind of toeing the line for the shoegaze community in the St. Louis area. And specifically, I think there's production elements and those sorts of things we're going to lean into in the conversation and uh, talk about kind of their sound. And I think they have a little bit of a relation to a former guest of the show as far as sound is concerned. And that's Slide. So anybody that attended the Slive Caller episode from season one, I believe it was episode 37. I think that there's a lot of translatable uh, musical DNA there. Yeah, definitely similar artists. Yeah, and like you said, not a lot of shoegaze in this community, so it's it's good to see that there's a band pursuing that and you know trying to keep that alive in this community. And they're damn good at it. Their their sound production's really good. And, um, yeah, I love them. Great guys. I think everybody will enjoy them. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you know again, shoegaze is one of those genres that can appeal to a lot of different people. So, you know, guys that I consider to be mostly in my circle, you know, kind of like that wall of sound. Right. Heavy stuff. And, you know, it translates that to that community. It has the dreamy and poppy elements. Right. You know, kind of some melodic hooks and things like that, or whether it's in a lead line or a vocal melody or whatever the case is, there's some of that. If you like alternative music just in general, you're probably going to like these guys. So there is a definitely some pride taken into the composition. So, but uh, we'll get into that discussion. Whenever we have our guest Michael join us, and so stick around for that after the break. But before we get there, of course, we like to tune up the band with a little current events talk. And boy, (laughs) have we just had an absolute wonderful time laughing literally right before we pressed record tonight. Oh man, these mugshots. These mugshots are golden. So Donald Trump surrenders and Georgia. Yeah, so Donald Trump finally surrenders last week, of course, on the current events open. I hopped on here and uh, we kind of talked about what the charges were because those just took place in Georgia and how they charged them under um, the, is it the RICO Act or the, the RICO Act? Act? RICO Act, yeah. Yeah, um, basically he's the mastermind of a criminal enterprise right, is right. how it's detailed. It's in. a racketeering right. uh, law, essentially, that Georgia implemented to kind of combat that sort of thing. And, you know, we don't hear a lot about that in missouri not to say the racketeering doesn't happen still yet which is hilarious though because giuliani is a part of this rico charge and you know how many gangsters he took down in new york on rico charges when he was in new york prosecuting right so i bet all them guys are like haha motherfucker (laughs) there's so many funny avenues that we can go with this conversation right now i'm just going to be petty as fuck and just how hilarious are these mugshots right oh they're great they look i mean just mark meadows is really good too the freaking cabinet of his in general trumps that is the mugshots were just ridiculous it looked like a terrible slew of batman villains (laughs) 
and then somebody went and photoshopped Adam West Batman villain. Adam West Batman villain stylings to all of them. Giuliani as the penguin was perfect, and everybody was waiting on Trump specifically. You know, he was the one we wanted to see. Right. Trump in particular today, as we were recording here on August twenty fourth, he surrendered himself. Uh, I believe he was in the courthouse area. Start to finish, you know, 20, 20 minutes or so. Yeah, yeah, I, I think it, what we read. Yeah, I think it was like twenty minutes total for him to go through the process. Yeah, and then released on two hundred thousand dollars bond. Now all the shit was negotiated beforehand. Whenever he went in, we were in our friends group, was just trying to like make him bets on like what, like, is he going to go with blue steel? Because I think he kind of went blue steel with he his did go blue, yeah. a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'll take Blue Steel on that. I yeah. was hoping he was going to do like that stupid, like, whatever face that he did that's like a famous gift of his now. like chin yeah. in your chest face. Yeah. I mean, he, he ended up doing it on the presidential debates, but where it really became meme-worthy was in WWE whenever he was having his battle with Vince McMahon, the battle of the billionaires, <laughs> whenever Bobby Lashley represented Trump and so on. So, And Umaga, I believe, represented uh, Vince McMahon in the battle of the billionaires. So uh, Trump had, you know, kind of a smirk on his face at that time, and that was you know 15 years ago now going on almost 20 when that happened so and then he kind of did that in the debates with hillary and joe to some extent which that was kind of all you know right really just a shit show right yeah nonetheless hilarious all the mugshots hilarious i'm gonna probably whenever we stop recording go back and look at them again just have a really good laugh before i go to bed yeah they're great man um i bet like you made the joke before we hopped on to i bet the fulton county jail website's gonna crash from all the people oh, trying yeah. to get the mugshot because it's just gold so yeah 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 definitely make sure you guys get on the internet i'm sure you'll see it i'm sure it'll be everywhere but you know it's great it's great stuff yeah so they're trying to set trial dates and all that stuff uh it looks like october 23rd for right now is what the district attorney's trying to set as the trial date now there's some conditions too right to the two hundred thousand dollar bond like i think I read that Trump has to not discuss the ongoings of the trial on social media. I think yeah. the judge maybe had put a gag order in on him on, on the bond issuance or something like that. I know that the judge right away was kind of playing hardball with him. I do know that Trump had replaced his Georgia lawyer uh, specifically ahead of his surrender, which is uh, Drew F- Feinling, I believe. And he replaced him with Stephen Sadow now. And then that's a, an Atlanta-based attorney now. And uh, he considers himself special count, counsel for white-collar and high-profile defense. <laughs> white-collar, So baby. it's like, yeah, I guess Trump specifically was seeking out somebody of his services. So that's uh, that's already an interesting change right out the gate. But yeah, but I think some of the of his former attorneys and stuff are wrapped up in the indictment too, though, right? Yes. I mean, I mean, obviously... Yes. Yes, Ju- Rudy Giuliani is, but the woman that they depicted to be Poison Ivy, specifically in the meme that I'm talking about. So I'm going to share that, yeah, because it's fucking hilarious. It's gold, yeah. Uh, I believe she was one of his personal attorneys. There's like three or four different uh, people in the charges in those mugshots that were personal attorneys to Trump. But yeah, she of course charged on 13 counts in Georgia. Back to what we talked about last week. You know, obviously the racketeering piece of this was was the best avenue, like we talked about on that episode, to most efficiently charge trump with all of the various areas of the law that he and his conspirators crossed. and it, his conspirators it's a yes. way to get everybody at once yes it casted a wide net right exactly and this could have even taken longer uh, obviously i think everybody was like waiting for the shoe to drop when it came to georgia specifically because that was kind of the most damning because there's i mean everybody's heard it right the audio of trump saying find me eleven thousand six hundred seventy votes or whatever the hell you know the number right. was 
obviously, I mean, the, he was already guilty before even being charged, right? right? Right. At least in the public perception and based on what everybody knew and what was reported. So, But this is where it gets interesting is because this trial is going to be playing out right around the 2024 election. So, you know, we, we have this situation where he is more than likely going to be the GOP front runner for you know, president right. of the United States, and he's pending being convicted of a RICO charge. Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? So this is like whole new territory, guys. This is like, a, you know, this has never happened in our history, so we don't really know how things are going to play out, you know? So Absolutely. It's a delicate situation. As much as it is funny, it's a very delicate situation, too. And another aspect of this that I don't think that we've talked about on the show yet, too, is the fact that Georgia's just kind of entirely different. So, like, just what happened in Georgia specifically, if Trump's found guilty of anything, goes to jail, goes to prison, whatever— this can discredit him from the presidency in and of itself as it is. And parole boards there in Georgia are handed entirely different. Right. And they have to unanimously, I believe, be elected to – but they're only up every five years as well. So it's not like he can go in for six months, good behavior, okay, let's let's have a meeting. You know, he'll get pardoned for all of his charges. You know, like you have to actually go to a pardon board right. to get pardoned there. Yeah. And well, what I, from my understanding from Trump, freaks from what i'm reading online is that his plan is to pardon himself if he's elected that's how which is there any legality there i mean we don't know (laughs) you know i mean is that is that plausible can that happen you know right we don't know but yeah so georgia's just entirely different they've got the the governor can't go willy-nilly and pardon people and then there's a pardon board specifically so right but yeah i there's a lot of unfounded territory here right so it's and I'll pivot this into what happened last night. So last night was the Republican debates hosted by Fox. Right. Trump absent from those for kind of obvious reasons. Right. 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 Uh, all this stuff going on. I don't think he wanted to be blindsided. Right now he wanted to be in a situation or a platform that he was able to control the narrative a little bit better. So he circumvented that process and went on to Tucker Carlson specifically, <laughs> who's not no longer with Fox News. Of course, he's doing his own independent thing. Yada, yada, yank, yank. Right. Whatever. What is it? Is it like a podcast? Or like an interview? Essentially. Like I think inter- it's he's got his own YouTube channel and ah, shit. Okay. And then I think there's like, you know, Patreon options. I haven't done that much of a deep dive. I mean, this is just in the recent months, of course, because right, he right. just got fired, you know, right. a few months ago from Fox. But I find it interesting, you know, we were talking about this before we started recording, the fact that Trump's kind of bitch made for going on his show. <laughs> yeah. Because Tucker Carlson's the same fucking guy in all those leaked texts at Fox and all the shit that was going on with them that was talking shit on Trump. Thank God I don't got to talk to this idiot anymore and he's not going to take our network hostage or take my show hostage. I couldn't I couldn't believe, I couldn't sit there and listen to him any longer. You know, he's saying shit like that about Trump and then Trump decides to go on his show. Yeah, Trump probably paid him because there's so many people that follow Tucker. I don't know. You don't think? I'm sure there was some money I wouldn't be surprised involved. because they, they do have a lot of, you know, parallel thoughts at least you know <laughs> they're both fucking russian bitches right they're both putin puppets putin puppets you know yeah. in this country whenever tucker carlson on his own fuck when he was on fucking fox news was literally showing propaganda footage from he was the taking, russian government right he was taking russian state media yeah and changing a little bit of it and then just reporting that on our news yeah <laughs> so, as fact right and it's unbelievable that people like somebody i know yeah. Looking at name names. Right. We all know huge, somebody. Huge, huge, <laughs> huge Trump supporter, right? And every day, I got to hear about Trump this, Trump that, whether I want to or not. Some days I feel like fighting with them. Sometimes I don't. Sometimes I just let them say what they want to say. Unless they just say something so egregiously, I just can't not. Right. Right. Where you have to speak up, right? So, you know, I, it's sad that 
but I'm using this as an example because this is like the level of, there's so many layers to the ignorance that we're all combating. There's so many levels to the onion, if you will. Right. So start getting, I start hearing this fucking commotion at work first thing in the morning. And it's like, there's 350,000 NATO troops at the Belarus border. And this is violating the NATO agreement. And Russia's going to, we're going to World War Three right now. Get your canned goods. Do this, do that, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, what? I haven't heard anything about this. No. Yeah. I'm like, what are you talking about? Oh, yeah, it was it was up on Twitter, but they already took it down. I sent you a link, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, okay, well, Twitter now, specifically since Elon Musk has taken it over, isn't really like, you know, going through and eliminating information off as now they're aggressively letting people post, or vigilantly as it was previously. They're letting people post whatever. Yeah, right. Yeah. And so th- that, already didn't, that already didn't smell right to me. It's like, oh, they, they already took it down on Twitter. I'm like, well, I was like, Twitter's gotten a little bit more, you know, liberal with some of that stuff. So right. I, don't, I don't think that that's, that doesn't sound right to me. <laughs> well, I said, well, what was the source on Twitter? Who put it up? Well, it was, it was on Twitter. Yes, I get that. But like, you know, somebody has to it? have an account who right. put that up and then... You know, whenever they put that up, is this a video? Is this an article? Oh, it's a video. Okay. Well, who's in the video? Well, the Russian parliament. And I'm like, dude, what do you know about Russia? Let's start there. (laughs) What do you know about Russia? Do you know that Putin is essentially a dictator? Do you know that Putin is literally staging coups in countries? He's putting puppet governments in place. He's literally trying to turn back the hands of time to... The USSR, the Cold War, like those things. He like romanticizes these things. Yeah, Yeah, he wants the USSR back. Like, do you understand that? Well, you know, we're giving all this money to Ukraine, blah blah blah. I'm like, this ain't about that. Right? Do you understand? I was trying to think like the most basic way to put it. I was like, it is state-sponsored media. Do you know what that means? And I see like a thousand miles there, and I'm like, do you like China? I hear you talking about China all the time. You hate China, right? Oh yeah, China sucks. Oh blah 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 blah. blah. (laughs) Okay. China has state-sponsored media. Do you know that China is a communist country? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck communism, blah, blah, blah. Okay. North Korea, you know who they are? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, it's the own family. Oh, blah, 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 blah. Okay, well, do you know that they're communist? Oh, yeah, communism bad. Okay. Do you know that they have state-sponsored media? Yep, 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 yep. Okay. Do you know that Russia is a communist (laughs) country? And they have state-sponsored media. Right. Do you not see the similarities here? Do you understand that Putin's already served his terms as president, but he remains president? Right. Oh, he's got like an 80-something approval rating. I'm like, yeah, that's the way it is in every fucking communist country. Yeah, you don't speak out against leadership because you disappear. Exactly right. (laughs) I was like, they control the news. They control everything. Everything. Yeah. And I'm not saying our country's perfect. There's definitely echo chambers and platforms to get more attention than maybe it should or shouldn't. You know, I've been very critical of just in general corporate media. You know, there's all a lot forms. of dark money behind that. Even a lot of, of it's them, dictated right? on clicks, regardless of accuracy. There's a lot of shit out there, and I've talked about vetting processes in them before. You know, look at various sources. Take a liberal source. Take a Republican source. Take a centralized source. Take an out of country source on the same story. Look at how it all reads differently. Educate yourself. Don't get stuck into one echo chamber because networks, there's money behind it. There's liberal money behind MSNBC. You know, there's conservative money behind Fox News. And every single person has an agenda. 
I don't absolutely. I know it doesn't matter who it is. It don't matter if it's the reporter. It don't matter if it's the producer. It don't matter who it is. Everybody has their own personal opinions and agenda, and they're going to push that. One hundred percent. I mean, that's just how it is. <laughs> and that's exactly how it goes. But uh, we kind of got on a side tangent yeah, there. Sorry. But to get back on, no, it's all my fault because I fucking <laughs> just talk out my ass constantly. No, you get. You know, getting back into the media aspect of this. Back to the Republican debates last night. So it was funny to see in the crowd every time that somebody talked bad about Trump, it's like they almost got booed out of the building. So like Trump is very clearly still the front runner for the Republican Party. Oh, absolutely. Don't get me wrong. These groups and things like this, these showings are relatively staged to an extent. So it's not, you're not getting undecided voters. You know, you're not getting central, you're not getting Democrats at these things. Right. (laughs) It's all targeted to varying levels of conservatism or republicanism or gop or you know whatever radicalism well there's there's segments (laughs) of that no so but like it's just like anything else on the political spectrum though you know the the scales tip in various directions so yes you're getting array of republican people in that room but you know you could see it's politics 101 right everybody's trying to pander to somebody right but i think right out the gate there was an effort made to go against trump by almost all the candidates yeah. But they all eventually flipped <laughs> by yeah, the end of it. Fucked themselves in the end by ultimately, and the question was to be asked if, you know, Donald Trump's going to get the nomination. Are you going to support him? And I think almost all of them, except for maybe one, probably Christie, yeah. said they would support him, right? I think he, I think Christie eventually ended, reluctantly lifted his hand at the end. But yeah, I think there was all but two that raised their hand. Don't let these people fucking fool you. They're trying to make a name for themselves off of Trump's coattails still yet. And I'm not saying, I'm not defending Trump. Obviously, we don't like him. We've talked about him plenty on the show. Right. I mean, come on. You, you guys got to see what this is. Obviously, it's a freaking. It's turned into a reality television show. More it's so, not, than not even anything. a good one, right? You know, it's just t- bad acting, man. <laughs> I used to like Big Brother back in the day. You know, a little bit of drama here and there. You know, <laughs> in my pointless life at the time. <laughs> right, right, right. But you know, people are going to tune into again. It kind of goes back to the the news cycle factory, though, and it's like whatever's going to get clicks. And so these guys want to come out and make a strong statement and make some you know bold headlines and comments. I think one thing in particular that a lot of people gravitated towards from those debates were, you know, where things stand with Trump and all these indictments and yada, yada, yada. And I think almost all the candidates essentially tried to distance themselves from that. I think one of the most strongest damnations from Pence finally toward Trump was had on that debate stage yesterday. And that was, uh, and of course, in Pence fashion. He had to make it sound so fucking white and boring. He was mother. Can I say this? Yeah, mother. <laughs> Is it right if I say this, mother? Mother, may I have a suckle before I go on stage? Mother. But Pence gets up on stage and he, when it comes around to the you know like the election, trying to overturn the results business, he makes it out like it's some dire thing, which well, kind of yeah. We saw what happened on the Capitol on you know, J- January sixth, and then. You know, they were coming after Pence specifically. I mean, I heard people saying they wanted to hang Pence, you know, because he wouldn't overturn the election results. He said, the president wanted me to side with him winning the election, but I sided with the Constitution that day. And it's like (laughs) it kind of lingered for a little bit and people, it was kind of like a low murmur. It's like Mike Pence is stuck in the 1990s American political system. Like, or 60s even, like way back. Like, he's not with the times. He's definitely pre-Jim Crow. You know, like he's... Uh, I'm sure. I could see that he romanticizes with those times himself. (laughs) But... You know, he and his wife sleep in separate beds, of course, so that's that's an indicator right there. I wonder if they scoot them together on Memorial Day. Maybe on the 4th of July. <laughs> Maybe. 
because there's nothing more American than she puts on your wife on the 4th of July, of course. Right. But, you know, quite the shit show. Hopping back over to Trump and coming on Tucker Carlson's show. Like, how does anybody that's like an avid Trump supporter, though, not be like, Trump, you're bitch made because this guy literally talks shit on you. And you yeah. hear so much about, like, you know, standing your ground, fucking people over that's stabbed you in the back and this and that. Like, Hannity's Trump's boy. Yeah. You know, you would think that maybe he would still yet at least go on his show. There's got to be something there. There's got to be some ploy. And maybe maybe Tucker Carlson's getting to that, that sect of Trump supporters that the mainstream media is not. Too. I think he knows what his demo is. Yeah, right. right. He's pl- yeah. He's playing his game. Well, again, back to my example that I was using, that person's always going on about Tucker Carlson. And they had the audacity to tell me, it's like, set your biases aside and listen to what he has. I'm like... I've watched more Tucker Carlson shows than I've watched Rachel Maddow, and Rachel Maddow I more agree with politically than Than, Tucker Carlson. I actually spend more time listening to people I don't agree with, personally. Why do I need to listen to people that I already have that same opinion? Right. I want to hear other opinions. Yeah, I don't need to hear my opinion reinforced because I already have that opinion. I don't need to go watch (laughs) Rachel Maddow's show. I know exactly how I feel about it already. Right, right. I want to see what Sean Hannity's saying. I want to see what Tucker Carlson's saying. I want to see what all these fucking nutters are saying. What Steve Bannon's saying about it. Oh, God. Not that I value his opinion. Right, yeah. But, you know, if you're going to have an opinion about something, you're going to, you know, be able to verbally joust with people, especially in the political arena. You need to know what the fuck's going on and what, what the talking points are, right? Absolutely. Again, another advocate for intelligence and yeah inform yourself yeah there's like this election like I, like i'm not trying to be that guy and be your dad and being like this is really important but it is an important election and it is important to stay informed i mean because this is can this is going to change the way america runs and how it operates forever from this is going to alter our history there's a lot of people going to be voting on their pocketbooks too you know right. right now with inflation and everything else that's we've all been hit with and it doesn't seem like prices are going down any drastically federal reserve being stretched thin housing market being what it is like people are like on edge right right yeah i, know I mean that our grocery bills per month went up at least 30 percent. specifically energy costs going up right yeah it's nuts. I mean, just even the cost to send your kids back to school like this year. I mean, we were we were doing school shopping for the the boys, and I just it's just unfathomable. My to wife me. basically <laughs> had to pick up a second job to be able to afford school clothes for all of our kids. Right, and we I, just got two that are in you know public school or whatever. So. Right, it's crazy, man. You can't even you can't even afford to buy your kids school supplies. It's it's nuts, man. Yeah, it's it's unreal, and we're fortunate enough that we live in a school district that we get a lot of federal grant money. So there's you know we don't have to pay for things that. We would have to pay for it if we were in other school districts. Like, oh, right. for example, yeah. like we're meals are you know, like included for our kids. Yeah. Which I know if we went to anywhere else, that would be income based, like uh, Farmington or, you know, wherever. Right. AV used to be this way. I don't know if it is present day, but, you know, if we went there, we would have to pay for the kids' meals or send them with a meal to school. And, and while they were home for the summer, man, our fucking grocery bills went up. I think it'll probably level out a little bit for us now. But, yeah. you know, having the kids home, you can speak to this during the summer. You don't understand what that does to you financially. Right. Yeah. It's, yeah. And childcare, even like if you don't have somebody to watch them, even just childcare alone will break you. So I get it, man. <laughs> yeah. And so people, we say all that to say this is people are going to pivot back and vote with their pocketbooks, right. though. And right. a lot of that blame is going to be placed on the shoulders of Joe Biden because he's the sitting president. Now, what does the president actually have to do with a lot of the minuscule things that we're talking about? Usually very little. Right. But there are things that they can do to help and not help. Right. Of course. And I think, again, people are going to go with a lot of animosity to the polls, even Democrats and or people of left-leaning ideologies. And they're going to be voting 
with their wallet instead. And I think and Bi- voting for change. I think Biden's got something up his sleeve. I mean, he's still trying to push the student loan stuff, you know, the forgiveness and which rightfully so. I mean, sure. but I, I I say watch and see what happens. I mean, he, when the election gets closer, we'll see what happens. That's the thing about pisses me off about American politics. Though. I know. It's like as soon as the election's about to go down, then they do all this shit last right. minute, like on a last ditch effort to like hook just you to back appease in, us. Right. Right. Yeah. To Instead of actually just take enough it. to revote for them or whatever, you know, and then go back so to the status quo. So they can crow quote. about whatever and then yeah then kick the can down the road until the end of your presidency again yeah we've seen a lot i mean probably the best one two best presidents of my lifetime obviously would be barack obama and bill clinton now i was born when reagan was in office right and during his you know toward the end of his second term reagan of course republican trickle down economics that's when that came into this country and we've seen how terribly that's affected us you know in the long run as a yeah country. i'm still standing waiting for it to trickle down on me yeah no shit <laughs> and then bush tried to employ some of those tactics right yeah uh, both senior and junior and uh, didn't work out so well for either of them but you know i we sat under some pretty good years under clinton we can debate that there are definitely bad aspects of it uh, i think there was still a lot of archaic social things in the 90s right, obviously right. But economically, though, economically, and not a one lot of our biggest booms, Clinton's right presidency. But you can pivot back to that's also created some of the issues today. Some of that was short term right. fixes, you know, things like outsourcing stuff to other countries, right, and that sort of stuff, and not an emphasis on American made products anymore, right, and American industries, you know, that literally this country was built on the back of, right, so a step right. away from that, right. But I'll go back to what I was originally going to say. Barack Obama, two biggest criticisms, well, three, drone. Killing people with drones constantly. All the Innocent time. people specifically with no responsibility. <laughs> right. Two, the fact that he became more obsessed with the celebrity of president, I feel like, versus... Serving. Being the president. Yeah. And getting things done. It's not to say he didn't get things done or that he wasn't the Are president. Are you saying more like the celebrity status of being yes. president than actually like, serving as president? Yes. I think he more became of a celebrity personality, especially as he got into his twilight years of his presidency and just kind of rode on the coattails of whatever early success that right. he had. Yeah. You know, so there's that. Uh, and then the other big piece is we can apply that comment that we made early on. And it's like, you know, just like every other politician, he crammed a bunch of shit in at the end. Right. You know, he finally did a bunch of things for gay marriage and trans rights and stuff, which is ridiculous that it took him that long to do anything as it were anyways. Exactly. You know, and he actually said that Biden is the person that turned him on that, but Biden had a totally different viewpoint 25 years ago. I mean, don't get me wrong. Homophobia was a problem in the nineties for sure. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Even into the early two thousands. Like, you know, finally we've progressed as a human race, but unfortunately a lot of those protections are being scaled back state to state. You know, nowadays, and that's another real problem that people, I feel like, in the other direction are going to encourage people to go and vote. We've already seen it in some states, states like Kansas that voted for abortion rights, you know, uh, that another another topic. I mean, I think a lot of people are going to be holding Trump specifically accountable, the Supreme Court accountable, his appointees accountable for rolling back things like Roe v. Wade and women having to travel out of state for health care. Right. It's encouraged people in quacks, you know, Florida, Missouri. Texas, like bing, bang, boom, dominoes fell, and we started scaling back abortion rights one after the other. I mean, like they had these shotgun laws in place to where the minute that the Supreme Court struck it down, their law went into went effect. Went into effect, yeah. It was even more egregious. So Don't it was get me planned. Wrong. <laughs> I'm not against state rights. I'm really am for it, and I'm really kind of against big government. You know, government should be there as a safety, like big government that is a safety net for you. 
The state should run their states. The big government should just be there as a, a system of checks and balances to advocate to make sure that you're taking care of your, in a perfect world, this is. Right, right. But this is not how it works. It all becomes a power struggle back and forth. You know, Republicans want to deregulate everything and give tax breaks to big businesses, but not give any tax breaks to the middle class and certainly not the lower class. The lower class always sits in this like low, weird, you know, lull. limbo, yeah. lull, if you will. It's like, yeah, they get some stuff, but it's just enough to like, you know, oh, you're going to get an extra hundred dollars for your depend or thousand dollars for your dependent this year on your taxes or what, you know. Don't get me wrong. Love that. Yeah, but it, well, is it making a huge impact? $8,000 a year? Yeah, I mean... A, a kid? $1,000 don't go very far anymore. <laughs> Especially if we get back to that grocery talk, right? Right, yeah. I mean, you can so, eat that up in two months of grocery. So again, it like this is kind of like, you know, the, the funny memes, like you're at work and your boss, like everybody asks for raises and then like he slaps on the flex seal and it's like pizza party, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, this is the same type of shit that the government's doing to everybody. Yeah. And we're just, we just keep taking it. Bend over, baby. You know, I think something's going to break at some point. Yeah, I mean, might be my it. ass. <laughs> might be my ass. Yeah, it might be my uh, sweat glands. Yeah, I know. I know. It's a hot one here today, folks. So just want to real quickly say rest in peace, Bray Wyatt. Yeah, man. Uh, news came stuff. out that he passed away. Mysterious circumstances was apparently dealing with some health issues. I think that's the extent that we know of it so far. But everybody knows I'm a Huge pro wrestling mark. Just sad, man. He's 36. He's yeah, young. Same age as me, he's a, man. He's young, man. Young man. That's sad. He's one of the you know few people, personalities-wise, that I think a lot of people gravitate towards and look to see what he's going to do in the business. He's, a, he's got the that charisma that draws people in, that weird charisma that was, you know, that of, you know, the 90s era stars, the, the Attitude era stars that we all were fond of and, and that sort of thing in, in wrestling's biggest boom. And... um it's just, you know, he's from wrestling family. I mean, it's it's all tragic regardless, but... We'll have to f- do some digging on that and see what was going I on. I mean, things will come out more right, increasingly right. over the days. I know he dealt with a lot of mental health issues, and, uh, and that, that piece, I was more so concerned about everything. He's got young children. Uh, he married uh, JoJo. She was the former uh, ring announcer there at WWE. I really liked her when she was a ring announcer, but she ended up you know retiring from in-ring action just to be like a stay-at-home mom for right. the kids and stuff. right. Yeah, and this comes on the heels of Brody Lee just a couple years passing away as well. Um, with his, we uh, it's just weird. Like they they were part of the same faction, kind of came up together in WWE at the same time. Uh, I know that death affected him quite a bit. It's uh, it's just so weird that I don't know. I don't know what what caused it, but it's definitely something. You know, right on the heels of pro wrestling, one of the greatest ever, Terry Funk dying as well, which that, that's been kind of coming. He's had right, some health right. issues and that sort of thing. But Terry Funk, one of the all-time greatest wrestling performances in cinema, Roadhouse. Terry Roadhouse. Funk. The heel in the bar. <laughs> Don't, yeah. That's 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 great A shit right there. Terry Funk is the man. And uh, good on Seth MacFarlane for paying homage to that in Family Guy, because that's still one of my favorite episodes. Yeah, the Roadhouse. Yeah, where Peter goes around kicking Roadhouse everybody. Kicking everybody. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But yeah, man, it just uh, sucks. I know that's probably something that's going to get a little bit more common as we're getting older, is, you know, unfortunately, you know, in memoriam type shit. And I uh, hate to see it. 36, definitely way before his time. And um, had a whole full life ahead of him had young children yeah vibes to that family man 
That's yeah. terrible. Uh, the only other thing I would say would probably be Progrosian being oh, yeah, killed. Absolutely. Um, the Wagner leader being killed. But yeah. there's still some gray water on there. Like um, almost the entire world thinks that Putin is responsible for his jet being shot down. Um, right. He hasn't come out and claimed responsibility for it. But he did make a statement this evening that I haven't heard yet. So I, I'm anxious to get home and listen to see what he has to say about the guy. And uh, yeah, I'll do a little bit more digging in it maybe next week. I think kind of the, the quote on uh, what Putin had to say say about Prigozhin guy was the leader of the Wagner group was that he called him a man of difficult fate now what the fuck <laughs> well that's pretty telling yeah I mean um I mean yeah he had a difficult fate coming to, to yes. him you know uh, what do you uh, yeah we all know that <laughs> the Wagner group made fucking Putin flee Moscow right and that was just I consider that a success in and of itself. Yeah, but see, they fucked up by not... You can't just start a coup and then be like, well, all right, never mind, because that's never going to work. Dude. They didn't have the resources <laughs> to begin. Well, they signed their, their death degree. warrant, is what I'm saying. Yeah, he was right. he was a dead man whenever he turned his back to Moscow and went to Belarus. Yeah. He signed his death warrant. <laughs> I mean, that's just Putin. He's known that he has a history of murdering political opponents is what he does. Mostly Absolutely. by poison, but apparently anti-aircraft shooting private jets isn't now the option. Yeah, either. yeah. Well, I don't think a man, he's a man above any means right. in general. Right, He's a dictator. He's going to do what he wants. Maybe we can get Putin on the podcast. I would love to, to have Vladimir Putin on the podcast. Yeah, he'd probably fucking send one of those Chinese nukes our direction. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho, guys, that's going to wrap up the current events talk for this episode. We're going to get right to our discussion with Michael from Still, so stick around after the break. doing great sir thank you so much for doing the podcast where we usually like to start these discussions with our audience is kind of how we became aware of people's work and that sort of thing you in particular with your band uh, i know i definitely saw some flyers probably like in the sinkhole that type of location uh at one point just so happened things worked out that we were all at the punk rock flea market at the same time so we actually got to catch your set live yeah and uh that was a treat for sure yeah for sure and we really enjoyed your guys's band and immediately we're like we got to get these guys on the podcast and talk to them <laughs> nice thanks man that was a cool event um i have not been to the one prior or any of those prior like it was it was a cool turnout and as far as like an audio standpoint it was wild to like listen to like the things reverberate like way past like the actual point of the show like bought like into the buildings and stuff like that you know Given the style of music, it's one of those where it's it's already enhanced anyway. Right. So like 
the fact that it was actually like you know bouncing off of stuff was it, it lended to it. I think. Yeah, I I think you guys had kind of a good, or at least from my opinion, that is a good spot in the lineup as well. A little bit toward the end of the right. day, um, and then you guys kind of brought that little mellow presence right before Bastard Squad got out there and uh, <laughs> melted faces and you know started punching <laughs> and spin kicking. Yeah, our spot. Is usually one of those where it's like, oh, they're a heavy band, but like they're not one of those that's going to make you fight people. They're like, it's just going to be overwhelmingly heavy. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's different kind, but you know, this is nice, like palate cleanser. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, that's the thing, you know, different people have different expectations or a love of what they consider heavy that is. There is a heaviness to your guys' band, though. And I think you're a lot like we've actually had some other artists on the show before, Slide from Philadelphia. Our right. listeners might uh, recall them. Uh, who we became friends with through the podcast. And they have some kind of connections with bands like Were and people in the Philadelphia area. And no, I think that you guys have a very similar sound, at least Absolutely. in that wheelhouse, and definitely a lot like our former guest, Slide. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'd be lying if I said Were wasn't pretty much, you know, one of the main catalysts for the, the idea. Uh, Dave and I always have like a million different bands we're going to try to do. Dave plays bass. Um, you know, and like send five demos for each idea that we're ever going to have. And then maybe nail one or two every 10 years but like this happened to be one of those where we're like oh we have a lot of demos that kind of just basically yeah you know sound a lot like that so like let's just put it to good use so this incarnation of still you guys have you guys been together for like, what three years or so is that right yeah so it definitely started as kind of like you know a project that just sounded the way that it did and then we're like okay how do we extrapolate this and become like a how do we do this live and then we started doing that and then taking on shows um, Dave's also in Squint, who is on Sunday Drive as well. So he's a busy guy. A few of our members are in different bands too. So we, we do have somewhat of a revolving door of live members, but as far as recording goes, you know, it's always the four of us. And, um, I think it just kind of helps to, we're all continuously growing. Even at this stage, you know, after playing for 10, 20 years, you know, we're all in our thirties and stuff like that. It's, it's cool to watch it. Like when you record only like you know, every three years or something like what, what are you into at that point? And how does it make the band kind of morph? Have you personally seen a lot of changes just even with this project alone? Uh, how, it, you know, maybe an idea from its inception to where it ultimately landed has changed? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think just, you know, personal influences kind of, you know, over time, new things that come out or things that you just kind of never stumbled upon that you're revisiting, you know, like as far as old stuff where it's like, oh, everybody loved this album. Let me finally check it out. And then you're like, oh, I get it. And like implement it into your new stuff. But yeah, I mean, we've got a new, a new, another five songer coming out, which Crush came out, which is also on that. Um, but I'd, I'd say there's, there's still be a noticeable kind of like progression. Um, still the same vein, obviously. You don't want to change the wheelhouse completely and confuse right. people, but. It's, uh, it's definitely a little bit of a forward progression, in my opinion. Um, you know, like lyrically, just kind of melodically, songwriting in general. I think it's, while the other one was kind of just quintessential, like, you know, kind of shoegazy stuff, this one's a little more like, ah, oh, like some more hooks and stuff like that are in there. Okay, exciting. Well, I know when I saw you guys <laughs> live, I, you know, sometimes when you hear people like audibly live, it not necessarily translate to like the recorded version or even like a small room, like anywhere that you see a band live, the sound can be like manipulated to a degree and kind of that phenomenon you were talking about earlier, like at the punk rock flea market, it added like all of this extra reverb to your guys' right. sound and it's like an kind of, you know, echoing off. Yeah. And at first uh, I think it might've not even been like 30 seconds in your guys' first song. I feel like it was a little, the way it hit me, I was like, Oh, this is a little riffy, but still shoegazy. So I was like immediately, I was like, okay, this is making me think of like old hum like 90s home 
Yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> for sure. And uh, as things went along, then I started to like notice some other things, you know, pick up on kind of maybe like the war influence and things like that. What would you say are like other influences for you guys though? Um, you know, I'd say like definitely the war thing is in there. Hum, I know Dave's super into them. Admittedly, their early stuff I haven't really dove into too hard. That newer album they put out. Yeah. And let- yeah, yeah, it definitely influenced a lot of like the newer EPs guitar stuff. I mean, it's just like very bold and like thick sounding. I, I, I don't know what they used on that. I know he has like just a Les Paul and stuff, which obviously adds to that. But it's just super thick. And I know he does recording too, which is, you know, making me think like, let's go do something up there. Nonetheless, it's definitely, uh, I'd, I'd say, you know, obviously my bloody Valentine, everybody's trying to capture that, but it doesn't almost apply to what we're doing now. You know, like nowadays, like I say, like, like, I don't know, I've seen that, like that term, like new gaze through thrown around a little bit where it's like sad, slow, like shoegaze stuff where it's not, I mean, my bloody Valentine was like poppy and catchy and like also had their sad moments, but generally speaking, they don't sound like the shoe guys we're all listening to nowadays, right. in my opinion. So I think a lot of that is just kind of finding that balance. Um, and then I've also just been like always a lot on the side of like the dream pop stuff too, where it's like, you know, cocktail twins or like um, just any kind of the jangly stuff, even up to like newer beach house stuff. I mean, I still love that band. I think they consistently put out cool stuff that kind of, it always sounds, them but they they change their self enough each time where i'm like okay they're they're exploring new stuff still that's pretty cool yeah i always like when bands do that they kind of stretch their creative or flex their creative muscle and and try to push themselves to new limits i mean obviously they can go in in the wrong or bad direction sometimes but uh you know i think if you're really a fan of you know what they're doing you'll you'll have the patience you know to go with them on that journey sure yeah i think there's definitely a gamble in changing the sound you knew worked the first time but it also I mean, like you guys, you know, have played music. It you you almost get bored with it, or feel like it's not exciting anymore after a while. So you have to try to get into something else. To like, I need to write five more songs. I can't make them all sound like the last five songs. Like, how do I explore new new territories here? You know, right? I, I think everybody kind of hits that creative wall here and there. I can even say that, like, on the podcasting side of things, is you know, at times it's like you kind of feel like you're stuck in. A, Groundhog Day. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. We're kind of going through the same motions all the time. But one thing that I do enjoy about our podcast is the fact that I think that we, you know, get to have occasional conversations with people that we don't predict. But I think like flipping it back to the music side of things, back whenever we were in active bands and stuff, kind of the spontaneity of the creative process sometimes. Uh, I don't know how it still works in this sense as far as how a, an idea is hashed out. But I know like in bands that I played in the past, somebody bring an idea to practice and maybe everybody would kind of noodle around on a part and just maybe cyclically play whatever the verse or the chorus is and then everybody kind of build fine tune. Yeah. Yeah. And go from there. What's the creative process look like for still Mike? I'd say the first batch of stuff was definitely more like we had demos and then started playing them in a practice scenario and they kind of took shape. But most of it was formed before it came to the band. Um, and then of course, you know, you've got to write some sort of follow up or a couple more tunes, which you know, demos happen, but I think those happened a little more organically. I know Crush, which was a single, that was one of Dave's songs, and we kind of brought that to life. And then there's a few more in the new one that were definitely demos, but the next single we're going to release was kind of one of those. It just, it was an old demo. We took the chords and kind of rearranged it. You know, just kind of had it all, like, matched it out, like, band style in a room, and, like, it came out cool, and, like, it makes me want to just do that more often and not, like, have it be such a formulaic process because... At this stage, I'm sure we're all old and like, you know, you have to do other stuff. So you can't sit there all day and like right. play in a room for 12 hours. And be like I wrote a song. It's like demo that stuff out first. 
Um, but when it does happen and that, that kind of creative spark is like felt between all parties in the room, you're like, okay, like this is what it's supposed to sound like, I guess we're all just feeling it, you know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. You start to encourage each other, you know, because the thing I've always loved about musical collaboration is that often things will take shape that you never expected to. So like, for example, you know, maybe somebody's going to start playing like a catchy bass line and taking in that progression in a different direction. So it spawns a new idea for you. Uh, whether it's a melody or a, a different riff or whatever. And same goes for the drums. Like, you know, you might be playing in six, eight, but then they're like, well, let's, let's switch it up to a three, four field, make it this moment feel a little bit bigger, almost like a halftime feel. And that's the benefit that you get though, of exactly what you're talking about, Michael. And that's right. getting in a room and hashing ideas out. Yeah, definitely. The more creative minds, I think helps to, you know, relieve the stagnance of just like, oh, I'm making the same song again. Because obviously everybody has a little bit different feel for stuff. And I'll say some of my favorite, like, like I have just a longer list of like demos that are like, you know, like live recordings and I just put my phone down for like, not necessarily this band, just other projects throughout time. And I go back to them all the time and they're just so off the cuff and everybody's just like riffing and like some of it's really magical. And if I had to go back to recreate it, it wouldn't be exactly the same. Sure. It would be, you know, it, like it wouldn't happen so organically like that if we sat down and tried to hash it out like in a studio setting versus when we were just having a good time. So I think that's where the beauty of like live albums come in, you know, where people can record like best of the best live scenarios. And obviously they prep for it nowadays, but it's like, I don't know, some of that is cool and you won't ever capture that in the studio because, you know, you come up with it afterwards. You, you kind of, you know, riff on it harder than you did back when first recorded it so i like that a lot i think just the organic growth over time of like songs in general is pretty cool with like the artists who play them for sure i, th I think like a big game changer for us in our musical you know tastes and appreciations over the years whenever we first heard something that we knew was like a live in studio recording was the everything unsung ep by the chariot right? oh yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. or everything's alive or everything something. everything's alive I yeah think. everything's yeah. alive unsung was yeah. a different ep i i had a big with the chariot so i feel you there yeah 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 i was like fuck like we need to do something and i actually in two different bands that i was in we took that approach and i still am pretty fond of those recordings just because some of that again spontaneity showed up and on occasions i've always been like a fan of i get the part of like formulaically like writing a song and putting it out on a demo and you there has to be enough recognizably there you know if you go play that song out and people like oh i know the song you know the familiarity right but I've always been like a very firm believer to like have a little bit of leeway, like with any band that I'm in to like spice it up though, too. So that's kind of like a recommendation that I always like, you know, to give people too if they're like feeling stagnant is that, you know, if you've comfortable enough and you've been playing with the team that you've been with enough, you guys should be able to give each other, you know, a little creative license here and there, you know, as long as everybody's staying in time and in key or whatever the case right. is, you know? Oh yeah. I think some of the more like cool moments, at least, you know, as a musician, like you find where it's like, they just were going off on a live setting or something like that. And they kind of added like a little extra juice to the riff or something. And you know, there's like, it didn't happen on the recording. It probably might not happen again. Maybe they added it to the set, but it's like some of those times you're like, that's yeah. better than it was before and you just kind of randomly did it like that's cool <laughs> a band that i've seen that is a great example of uh, everything that we're talking about right now is fall of troy the fall of troy whenever they've released their first demos and then they came back and did the full length where they re-recorded some of the songs they weren't the same they put out a live album with some of those performances the songs weren't the same i saw them once at the old <laughs> creepy crawl back in 2005 <laughs> And uh, they were recognizably the songs, but they didn't play them any, any, any of the same. Right. And then I just saw them again at Off Broadway and earlier this year, I think it was in 
February or something like that. And again, I knew all the songs, but they didn't play any of them the same. Yeah. Again, so it's know. like a unique experience every time. Right. You right. Know? Right. <laughs> That's cool. I mean, those, I mean, I think I saw them at Delmar Hall some time ago, maybe a few years ago now. I can't say that like I was a big follower of them back in the day, but I always appreciated just, I mean, that dude clearly can work his way around. Like, oh, yeah. You know, everybody in the band has their own merits. So I appreciate them in that regard. And then when I saw them live, I mean, they're all just riffing, you know, <laughs> I, I absolutely could not do that stuff live. So you know, kudos to all of them for being able to do that for many, many years. And like, right, sure, you know, man. probably created and all that stuff. Yeah. Not losing a step too, man. It's just, uh, you have to like appreciate just how knocked out they are as musicians. Without right, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I fell off of them after, um, like 2009 or so. Yeah, I'm see I'm like one of them weird people that like once an album really hits me, it sticks with me for a long time I'm, I'm just too. stuck on that album, so like mm-hmm. I'm bad about not trying to experience <laughs> new things from bands. So, yeah. yeah, I'm shame on me for that. <laughs> I've got a few artists like that for sure. Yeah. It's comfortable, yeah, you know. Right. I I'm, I'm sure everybody who does that has like a few like, you know, 10 to 15 albums that are the comfort albums right. that like, you know, when you get in the car in the morning you're like, "Oh man, I don't want to try anything new. I'm just going to put on the same thing again." Like I know that's going to work for my 20 minute drive there. Like, right, sure. <laughs> yeah, you got to kind of pick your spot sometimes and I know like dad life is something that affects us and, yeah. and married life and it's like whenever you actually get to listen to something that you want to listen to sometimes like the moments or you have to pick your spots, you know, yeah, so for sure. I almost have to set aside a time a week just to listen to new stuff specifically. Like I know I'll be in the car by myself for this amount of period. Yeah. You know, I actually, I've been finding majority of my time to hit my new music playlist up on the shitter anymore, man. Let's get to the shitter and be like, well, nobody's in here. Let's shuffle through the new music playlist. Anyway, sorry. A little too private. <laughs> I'd say any exploration for me is like I just put like AirPods in from like 11 p.m. to like 12. I'm like, okay, this is my hour to absorb something new at the end of my day when I'm just like sitting on the couch. Right. If it's in the morning, I'm like, I need to just make sure I like do all the correct steps in my life. So yeah. it's like the exploratory period is definitely after work. Yeah. <laughs> do Do you find yourself enjoying? Other particular genres, uh, you know, outside of the shoegaze, like what what's something that you listen to pretty commonly, Michael, that you, maybe you're a big fan of that people wouldn't suspect? Yeah, I'd say most of my stuff is, I mean, while, I don't know, I don't want to say like if you like some style like the shoegaze stuff, most of it, you know, kind of intertwines in there so you can kind of like most of it. Uh, but I'd say I do like a lot more like pop stuff. I think that's where my like head's always at even when writing this kind of stuff is keep it simple keep it melodic you know find some hook in there versus just making it so esoteric where you're like you get lost in a minute and you're just like i don't know where they're going with this kind of thing yeah um but a big I, I like the japanese house a lot if you've never checked them out they're they're like one of those i always push on people because i feel like once you give it a chance it's like i don't know one of those that you're not going to find again like too terribly much i mean you know she takes a lot of influences from a lot of other stuff obviously like we all do but i think the package she puts it in is like very cool and modern and like i don't know she's like something i aspire to you know like copy almost it's like <laughs> not writing like heavy stuff or if you take the distortion away it's all basically just ripoffs of that kind of stuff so you know I, I definitely like that um you know I, I really like the 1975 i think they're really good i know they catch a lot of slack but i feel like they've consistently put out some pretty solid material um you know egos aside or whatever it's like and their production is off the chain like i'm a big like sound person you know like sure. the shoegaze thing there's a certain niche where like you make it sound like that but as far as like 
actual like you know audio quality and production stuff like that i really admire when people take a lot of attention to that it seems like the individual members of like all that like those two bands and there's a couple others that are like that but it, 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 it like encompasses that really nice 80s kind of thing that everybody seems nostalgic about but packages it like in a modern like platform that is i don't want to say edgy but you know it has like a certain kind of thing to it where it's like it's modern and like you can kind of bop to it yeah and you don't feel it. So I think that's always kind of in the back of my head. I also always just like like weird lo-fi beats and stuff like oh, that. Yeah. That's cool. yeah, probably comes from just like working and like you know trying to get stuff accomplished, but putting earbuds in and stuff like that. So part of me always wants to make some weird lo-fi thing, but I'm sure that'll be ten projects from now. I hear you. I hear you. Yeah, I, that stuff is easy to kind of you know chill out to. I, right. It's kind of got like multiple purposes, at least for me. Like if I want some background noise, but I don't want to have to think too much about what's going on i'll throw on some like you know lo-fi stuff or even oddly like a thing uh, like there's a playlist on uh spotify that's lo-fi covers of grunge music oh wow so it's like nirvana and shit like that (laughs) that's awesome actually uh, Soundgarden's black hole sun like uh, i'm like uh star wars somehow this works star wars has been putting out lo-fi playlist on youtube really yeah like i've been seeing a post (laughs) on instagram i'm a big star wars fan so I'm like, holy shit, yeah, this stuff's awesome, you know? Like, John Williams lo-fi, you know, this is great. <laughs> like, that's, like, a new determiner when, like, a, a genre has made it. If it's, like, mass profitable for, like, a Star Wars thing, you know? Like, right. Or Marvel, or general, it's like, oh, like, it's big enough to where they're going to put money into it. So, like, okay, lo-fi is the new thing now. <laughs> About 15 years ago was, like, the Rock Me Baby thing, where they did all, like, you know, Queen... Rock me to sleep. They did a uh, Smashing Pumpkins. Yeah. They did yeah. ACDC. I mean, they did all Punk Rock of... Factory. That yeah. that band, they do a ton of, you know, like Disney covers and stuff like that. I think they were just at Delmar Hall or about to be. Probably. I have heard yeah. uh, that they come through St. Louis. So uh, I've never seen them personally, but apparently kids are really into them. <laughs> yeah. I thought about taking my kids because I figured it'd be something they'd be into, but I didn't know anything about them prior to seeing that yeah. they were coming to Delmar Hall. Yeah. So. Yeah, they're they're good. They're good musicians, and like I like the idea of what they're doing. It's not something that I could do, but I definitely respect what they do. And they and I mean, yeah. it is all it's great music. You know what I mean? So yeah, like they did some uh, like Hanson covers, which is hilarious. Like Umbop covers, you know, stuff like that. Like '90s yeah. hits, you know, yeah. <laughs> '90s pop hits. Uh, there's all kinds of different stuff they've done. They do a lot of like, what was the big song "Let It Go" from that Disney movie? Um, oh, the uh, Frozen movie. Frozen, yeah, yeah. yes, Frozen. Yeah, I have sons, so I didn't really watch that one much. But <laughs> they did a couple of songs from there. They got really big, got a lot of play on Apple, so it's pretty cool stuff. I will say, like cover bands, you know, depending on where you're at and what they're trying to do. I mean, some of those guys are really, really good. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Me first, the Gibby Gimme's is a good example. Yeah. They do great covers. We went and uh, the wife's uncle had some crazy birthday bash. I mean, this is in Texas, you know, well out of our league, but they had some cover band. I mean, those dudes were, you know, like just flaunting like thousands of dollars worth of gear and stuff. And like, they were just ripping like every genre. And I was like, you know, as I get older, this might be the gig. You know, I'm not like too being a cover band. That's kind of sick, actually. And you get to do whatever you want. Like, yeah, like El Monstero, they draw big crowds in St. Louis. They're a Pink yeah. Floyd cover band. That's wild. Uh, I my my buddy works. Uh, he makes stuff, but he works in the same like warehouse where they practice. So I like walk by all their gear all the. Like, I have a few times, and like the amount of money that they just have sitting in like in a gear space. I'm like, this is a wild thing right now. Like you know, like actual Echoplexes and like crazy you know amps that are like multi thousands of dollars and stuff like that. Like. 
and kudos they do they do it well but it's like that's that's a wild amount of gear and money <laughs> like, i mean it, but they get the point across and you know they're like one of the quintessential you know being floyd cover band so you got to make it sound right absolutely speaking of making things sound right that's another thing i think you guys could you know we can tip or take our caps to you on and with your guys's music is the production piece it looks like you guys seems like you guys uh, really leaned into that aspect of things and you guys took some pride with you know the songs that you produced really a great great quality recordings great sound too are you is anybody in the band a sound engineer did you guys go where'd you guys go to get those songs recorded so those are all done at encapsulated in maplewood if you guys are familiar um uh, our buddy gabe you know he he's kind of the guy there nowadays um he's always booked but you know if you got a cool project he'll make time for it um He's definitely more, you know, like rock oriented, I'd say, it, you know, just that general spectrum. But, um, you know, I'd say this genre is probably tough to work with from a mixing engineer just because there's just so many layers and like so much vocal stuff, you know, outside of like what you would just normally do with like a vocal mix. Um, but he's he's very, you know, capable and up to the challenge. Um, I'd say, you know, that's kind of a hidden gem of a studio here. I don't know. You know, outside of like my friend group, I don't I don't know how big they are, but I'd say if you definitely want to check them out, they're definitely worthwhile. They got a cool studio, um, and they do like shirts and you know merch there too. So you know, check them out if you know anybody's listening. Yeah, we did that there. Um, all the band members are also just like crazy, you know, gears. I don't say snobs, but we we've invested a lot of money and time into the stuff that we have. Um, you know, Dave and I just constantly send each other guitar links, even though we shouldn't buy any more stuff or like pedals. <laughs> that Chris our drummer is just super solid he's had like the same kit for his entire life but it sounds awesome and he knows how to use it so and I'm not a drummer so I'm like hell yeah man you sound great and you you, you do exactly what we need you to do so a plus and then Ben our early guitar player he's leagues better than I but you know he we also share the same kind of love of just sending uh gear back and forth to another so we just kind of you know entice each other to buy better gear every time we do it so I'd say that's definitely, you know, an inkling. I, I aspired always to be like a sound engineer for like recording stuff, but I think I just always got stuck on the, the guitar part and never made it past that. So, you know, long-term goal, it'd be cool to like record stuff, but no, none of us are actually audio experts. We just pretend to be. Well, I mean, <laughs> you're in a band and you record enough. If you're paying attention, it's like hard not to learn something. Sure, yeah. And I think just using like GarageBand or whatever you're using, you know, Logic, even if you got Pro Tools or whatever at home, it's like you just kind of pick up tips here and there. It's just a matter of like getting a space, getting a studio and like grinding it out for like five years or so until you finally get that like out of my bedroom phase into the real studio phase kind of undergone and like have a clientele that will support buying thousands thousands of dollars worth of stuff to outfit your studio yeah, right for sure but yeah i mean you know we we went kind of crazy lengths as far as recording on the first one the second one's a little more simple i think it kind of gets the same point across but it was you know we were trying to just make it sound like more like raw and like loud kind of sound as opposed to like super in a hole kind of thing which you know both both sounds apply to the shoegaze thing i think especially add kind of like the modern like like you said the riffiness to it as opposed to just being like kind of chords the whole time which you know we definitely play on that a lot i think between dave and i like i'm more the guy that will just come up with like a bunch of chords and like sing to them and he's got like the riff stuff from his other stuff and 
we intertwine them. So it's, it's a good mix. And I think it kind of keeps it fresh every time, just that not one person's creating all the demos. Now, uh, earlier you were talking about uh, you guys got another EP on its way. When's that going to be up? Um, I'd say probably in the next couple months. I don't have a hard date yet because we it's all done. But as far as like getting it online and getting like the physical media out, I think we're going to do tapes this time. We did records oh, last yeah. time. Cool. And we're it up. So once that's all squared away, then it will come out. It's basically just the logistics part of it. Luckily, Jonathan at Sunday Drive, once we give him the final product, he's really good at just, you know, making it really user and friendly for accessing it however we need to get it. So, you know, we usually just put up our in the bargain and he takes care of the rest and he's been super cool so far. I think they just had like the showcase down in Texas, which looked pretty cool. He's outfitted the label with a lot of cool different, you know, I mean, it's like shoegazy, hardcore stuff, but there's a lot of variants in there to where, you know, if you don't like one, you could probably check out another band on the label and it might have that spice that you're looking for, you know? Yeah, I like when labels kind of like, you know, spread their wings a little bit. A label like recently, in my opinion, started to do that a little bit more. So it's like Relapse Records. Like they have a band on there like Ceremony, which, you know, started off pretty hardcore, but now they've gotten a little post-punky. But then they also have bands like Integrity, you know, like a classic, you know, hardcore metalcore band. Uh, They had the Dillinger catalog stuff. They're doing all the reissues for Dillinger. They have death oh, bands. Right. Yeah. Like that's they, they have all <laughs> kinds of like, you know, quite, quite the mixture of stuff on uh, their label in particular. I mean, death wish is kind of a weird one to say because yeah. they also, not only are they a label, they do distro too. So it's kind of like a, so they have shit like self-defense family on there. But then when you realize it's the same guy that's in drug church, you're like, Oh, okay. Well now I can see this, <laughs> you know, why they're, promoting this music too so yeah you know we're in the day and age that you have to have some variety to not only your label but your band and and all that stuff to be marketable you know and i i think it's part of the attention span thing too people have been conditioned you know to have short attention spans by corporate america more so than anybody (laughs) yeah i think phones have played a big part into that it's like you know when there's like i'm done scroll like i think that plays a lot and just the ability to like hit next without having to listen to it like you know, like the, not the back in my day talk, but it's like when you had a radio, you just kind of had to deal with it and you listen to it and you're like, I don't care if it's bad. I'll listen to the whole thing. Whereas now you're like five seconds in, if it doesn't do it for me, I'm already on the next song where I didn't actually give anything a chance. Like, yeah. So I definitely, yeah, it, it seems like it's, it's a tough market, you know, in terms of like keeping your band relevant, especially with like bands that, I mean, I say I used to listen to back like 2000s bands that I see have tried to try to make albums nowadays and some stick and some don't. And I'm like, I appreciate the attempt, but I think it's just too, too, too little, too late kind of thing. But I appreciate the effort. And I think, you know, as, at least with our kind of stuff, we try to have a couple elements of different stuff so that it's not just one angle the whole time to where you get bored with it. Like, you know, he's like with the riffiness that's in there too. Like the production quality's in there. I try to make, you know, the lyrics something that, like, aren't just boring and, like, something that, you know, you're, like, just trying to fight through the whole time. And just the general feel of stuff. It's one of those, I think, if you stripped everything away, you could play it all on acoustic and it would still be a cool song. I think that's part of, like, where my mentality goes with most of it. It's, like, there's so many sounds, but is it a good song without all those, like, crazy things happening around it? You know, I think that's, you know, like... I don't know if like the whole kiss, keep it simple, stupid thing is actually like the meaning behind it. But I always think about that. That's like, I mean, the gimmick is totally different, but it absolutely worked. And I'm like, okay, like maybe I don't need to add like 17 layers to this. Maybe I just need like three. Like, Well, another uh, piece to what you guys are doing 
too that I want to mention is you guys are implementing dynamics, and I think that's something that you know any band could really enhance their sound with is to be sensitive to their overall dynamics. So being loud when necessary, you know, punching through and and being loud to enhance a part. You know, I noticed that you guys are very, very good about that. I think you guys have that dialed in right away, which kind of helps break up the monotony of things, obviously, as well. But, you know, I've also seen bands, particularly shoegaze bands, where you're talking like, you know, just pedal mashing, they've got everything cranked up to 11, (laughs) you're getting lost. Like you, there's such a wall of sound. And don't get me wrong, that's cool, but not, not with like 10 pedals on. And right. Sometimes it's hard to indiscernible, clear, you know clear out like right. all the noise and just listen to a particular part of the song. It's it's almost overwhelming. At right. some time, at There's point. a time and a place for that sort right. of thing. But constantly, no. It's definitely neat if it's a part. It's not neat if it goes on for like yes. three minutes. Yes. yes. It's like, <laughs> now you're just like filling time. We were kind of talking about that right before we got on the show. <laughs> yeah. And I think, you know, a lot of that just comes with having a sense of... I don't know. I guess you just been playing music for long enough to know not to know what not to do. You know, like not drag it on too long, kind of thing. Knowing the cues are supposed to like change and stuff like that to keep it interesting. I think that's actually a lot of what I listen to in songs. Sometimes I'm like, this went on too long. Like, and then I find myself being like, am I being an old man and judgmental? Like, I'm not. I don't write. I'm not like the maker of all music. But it's like I could tell when that should have switched when it didn't, kind of thing. And it's like, yeah, okay, it's not my music, but (laughs) it's like I definitely find myself saying that in my head to like different stuff nowadays i'm like okay that's cool but or like they, like in your other like comments like things move so fast like the attention span i'm like holy shit that was like, that was like a 10 second part then it moved on to something else but i like the part beforehand and like they're not going to do it again. <laughs> right yeah it's it's kind of weird to kind of like find that happy medium sometimes for sure and uh just the landscape of music and everything has just changed so much even in the last 10 years and a lot of it's been you know obviously technologically impacted you know right. um it's funny too because you can see a band they put a song out that was solid you know seven eight years ago but now because people are gravitating toward using this on a reel right now and it's got you know eighty thousand shares now now the single pops again so like that pine grove song that was like on everybody's reel here in the last six months <laughs> you know it was like that was the case like that album came out in 2015 but that just now got popular that specific song just got popular or look because at, of look all at the other dances and pieces stuff. of media even like stranger things what it did to songs from the 80s you know what i mean sure. i mean sure. that's a prime example of that too exposed know? it to an all-new generation right yeah what was it kate bush she got like another like a whole nother royalty check for run up the hill like after the 80s metallica i mean that's too. cool yeah metallica definitely cashed in on that yeah <laughs> part of their production now really right what uh what pine grove song was popular i guess i missed that entirely i like pine grove a lot uh i'm out uh there's the lyrics nothing you can care about i can't remember the name okay. of the song uh name i appreciate that band a lot they're definitely not for everybody yeah i do like them as well yeah i like the area they live in and like what they the like the sense of emotion like i feel when i listen to it it just kind of takes me to like a different you know a different spot kind of thing that i would normally be in songs called need to actually i think yeah. okay okay nice yeah that's cool i'm glad they're getting you know is it like tiktok fame or like what uh, it, it was i noticed it like on instagram, instagram reels, reels but yeah. I, i'm sure it's like on tiktok too i'm not we have a tiktok just to post clips on. I do nothing else on TikTok. I I'm am the an worst old man. TikTok. Yeah. I just know that oh, it's something that we need to have to market at the podcast. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm in the same boat. After Instagram, I stopped like accepting new like social media apps into my brain because I just don't have enough 
to learn their like user interfaces anymore. Yeah, it's funny because they all try to emulate each other though. So like when it came to like the Instagram Reels thing that they were trying to compete with TikTok, and then of course Facebook <laughs> owns Instagram, so they're doing the same thing. And and then oh, yeah. Twitter's trying to carve out its own niche to a degree. Um, they tried to the video thing. Now they got the Spaces thing that they're. I I don't know with Elon Musk, he's making a lot of changes. So I don't know if it's still going to go that way. <laughs> That's a whole nother conversation we could go yeah, on, I know. I'm sure, for about an hour on <laughs> Elon Musk. Yeah, your podcast about Elon, I'm, I'm about it. He's an interesting fella, whether you like him or not. Right. There's a lot of interviews about him. Yeah, you know, if there was a, uh, a an Illuminati, like the world's official Illuminati, <laughs> he would certainly need to be on it, uh, oh, as yeah. far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Because he's obviously an yeah. extremely intelligent guy, but he's got some personality flaws. You yeah, know? I think he's dealing with some mental and emotional issues. You know, there you go. <laughs> Considering you who it. his father is, and right. if you read that backstory, the fact that his father basically groomed his stepsister into uh, being his wife <laughs> from a young age of like, Ugh. I'd say there's definitely a lot of a lot of weird history that goes along with any people of that kind of stature. You know, it's it's not so much presented in the forefront, but. I think with the internet age, you know, if you get a little right. curious, it's too hard to dig for that stuff. Absolutely. But in the same light, I feel like you don't get to like his status without, with just being Elon Musk. Like obviously his dad is who he is, but we can have another conspiracy podcast if you want <laughs> yeah, to. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, that, those are all the rage I hear. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> well, Michael, while we got you, you know, just kind of curious to get our audience to know you a little bit better and uh, your band and just kind of flesh out your personality a little bit more. Let's uh, I'm going to hit you with some random questions uh, real quick. Okay. So that's going to be, you know, personal interest type stuff. So it's nothing, you know, you're not going to have to do an algebra equation here for everybody live on the call. But let's uh, let's start with something a little bit more music related. And let's talk about give me a Mount Rushmore of personal musical influences for you. Um, I'd say like as far as overall guitar tone, I'd say like David Gilmore is probably like the dude that makes the coolest sounds to me you know like it, yeah and like a general sense of like oh that sounds really good i i won't say i love all of pink floyd's you know catalog sure, but i think when, when when it's yeah when it's good it's like nothing else really hits that mark you know i mean i guess kevin shields is you know up there as far as tonality goes i mean obviously he's not self-admittedly he's not like an extraordinary guitar player but he's like he knows what to do with the sound he's doing and he's like the only guy that sounds like he can do that the way that he does it, right. you know, for better or worse. Total side quest, that pedal, did you ever, you see that like Fender pedal that got released? No, I didn't. So Fender released a signature fuzz pedal for him. <laughs> uh, check that out. It's it's a whole like All right. silly side quest in itself. But uh, it, like if you play guitar, it's like one of those like, oh, it could be a holy grail thing if you were like that diehard of an MBV fan. Yeah. But it was one of those like, you know, on reverb immediately got purchased and flipped for like three times the money and now they're going to release a regular one so everybody got punked kind of thing but it's cool it, it sounds neat it definitely sounds like him i guess i'll put with an asterisk i don't think that was actually the main sound like the because it's like a fender a fender blender like or fender bender um like pedal with like you know modifications to it um which he had one but you know i don't think there's any one sound you're going to get with like no that guy like he had like 35 fuzz pedals and like i'm sure he just changed it out at any point and didn't document any of it so it could have been anything but very likely anyway that's definitely up there um i i like you ever uh, listen to mike kinsella like for like owen or american football or anything absolutely like he's amazing so i definitely 
I'd say I'm more of an early Owen fan than I am Same. anything else. Like I like, you know, the original American football album. It's cool. And it has that sound, but I think his work with early Owen stuff was more impactful for me. I love, I love what that is. I can't say it translates to the newer stuff for me so much. Right. That's maybe just a me thing, you know, growing out of that thing. And I mean, he's still, you know, cranking out music too. Um, but definitely in like my like picking patterns and chord structures, a lot of that is like where that comes from. Um, you know, I've, I've like gotten that like you play uniquely over the time. Like, I mean, it's I'm definitely just ripping him off most of the time. But like that, that was definitely formative. Um, I'd say like newer stuff. Um, uh, if that young, you know, she kind of does that whole I'm a cool chick tap open tuning guitar yeah, player yeah. kind of thing. And She's a, I mean, I think it's also really badass that she made her signature guitar in Ibanez Talman because that was one of those that was dying out. And now she's got like the signature glitter one, which is just like, you know, if you're, if you're going to bring something back from the dead, like that's probably the coolest way you can fucking do it. Yeah. Her music really cool with like Covet and just anything else that she kind of does on Instagram. It's like almost more intense than that. So I'm like, okay, you're just showing off, but I appreciate it. Um, there's probably so many dudes on like the internet that I've never looked at that are probably better than everybody I've ever looked to. But it's like, <laughs> you know, all those like, like 17 year olds that have done nothing but play guitar for like their entire life. And it's like, like, uh, like fucking Polyphia and shit like that. Like there's so, like, they're obviously very good. Like I can't jive with a five minute just guitar riff, but like it's, it's a very impressive skill, sure. you know? And I think those guys are getting the notoriety they deserve and like the paychecks and all that stuff. But it's, I don't know. It's it's a weird world, but it's morphing into. I feel like you know, at an early age, I'm a dying breed of guitar player. Where I'm like, I just want things to be sound really good and not be so technical. Where I'm just like, feel worn out by the end of the song, kind of thing. But I feel like most you know aggressive stuff is going that way. Um, you know, like with the attention span thing, all full, full circle. It's like you know, a three minute metal song with like more notes than I'll play and like a whole EP kind of thing. But, you know, I think it's all relative. You got to stay current and stuff like that. There's plenty of stuff out there for everybody to enjoy nowadays too, with the access and everything. So I don't, at the end of the day, you have to be making music that you personally would want to listen to. Otherwise, what's the point? Right. And you're going to get burned out real easily. You know, I think, I mean, yeah. there, there are musicians that do stuff for a paycheck and they make a fine living, you know, the session cats are some of the best musicians that you'll ever see. Right uh, on the planet, but it's not the reason I started playing music. It's fine. I'm not saying like incredulously, like you know, do you do you? But you know, I play music to get something out of it for me. You know, I don't necessarily do it to earn a paycheck either. Yeah, I'd say like it definitely like as much as I, I guess I just said Gilmore was the top. It's like my heart always goes to like fucking Van Halen, like the, like Van Halen one and stuff like that. I'm like that was one of those where you could tell they were just riffing and having a good time, and it just it sounded like else and i know they weren't trying to be anybody else and like some of those early videos were like i i think they're touring with like sabbath maybe or like maybe ozzy on his first tour and like you can tell like they're lighting people up way more than like ozzy was yeah (laughs) it was just one of those like they they had their thing and they did it their own way like obviously it changed along the way from media or you know like commercialism kind of thing but i mean those those early albums were definitely like a new sound and I, I always go back to that as like a, like a, a, you know, like a kind of bullet point of cool rock music that just applies to like making you feel good kind of stuff. I think it's kind of, a, you know, the nature of the beast there is like, 
everything kind of gets derivative of everything over a while. But I think it was one of those like cool moments in guitar history where like it just sounded like nothing else and everybody else kind of copied it afterwards. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, Eddie Van Halen in particular is a guy that probably any guitar player ever asked, like who are the, you know, what's the Mount Rushmore of most influential guitarists ever to the masses. <laughs> His name's got to be mentioned in that conversation every Absolutely. time. And I grew up in a Van Halen household. So like that was my dad's favorite band for the longest time. So I have very <laughs> fond memories tied to Van Halen specifically. So, you know, that's always going to be in the rotations in some way, <laughs> form or another. It's nostalgic for you. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> yeah. Like, I feel like that, like that guitar tone is like one of those, like everything else is judged on one of, you know, on that kind of thing. Like there's a few guys that like, to, like to, you know, to put everything else as the benchmark and it's like, you know, he's he's almost maybe the top of the top as far as like, you know, modern music goes, like, you know, nineteen hundreds forward kind of thing. I mean, once you get classical, but that he was also into that shit, which Absolutely. is where most of that Absolutely. comes from. It was translated into like a guitar form and it's it's cool. Like I think, you know, even myself included could could use a good lesson and like break out of the mold that you listen to. I mean, go listen to classical music, go listen to like jazz music go listen to like something that will make you think differently after a while because we all get in that box you know let's hop off the music discussion let's talk about the most underrated beverage in the world what do you consider the most <laughs> underrated beverage oh man that's a tough one underrated uh maybe vest orange soda i don't know that was one of those as a kid that i was like hooked on but like i come to find out like that's not like very it's not good. <laughs> it's just like that was part of my childhood. Like Vess soda and John. Yeah, but yeah. Vess and uh, there was another brand that did off brand sodas. Well, you could be like, you know, Dr. Thunder, you know. Yeah, like your Walmart brand. Yeah, like, so, like, I think that was part of the appeal too. It was, it was just absurd names for sodas that I knew already existed. And like as a kid and like butthole humor, I was like, cool, Dr. Thunder. Yeah. That's <laughs> obviously stupid, but I'm going to go for it for 25 cents. Like, Yeah, you drink enough of it, you'll piss right out of your ass. I can confirm that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> they only have 22 flavors in theirs. That's the that's the problem. There you go. That's it. The missing ingredient. <laughs> Anti shits. Let's get hop back to the music side of things. If money was no object, what would be a dream piece of gear for you, Michael? Oh, dream piece of gear. That's a tough one. I'd say, like guitar wise, it's not a very popular guitar, but like if I could somehow affix like a vibrato unit to like a 70s Starcaster, like a Fender Starcaster, that would be my ideal thing because it's just so weird looking and I love that stuff, but it only came in like a hardtail version because of the hollow body thing. I want to some point make a body that can accommodate all that. Like I'm very much into like just build your own guitar because you're probably going to build it your own way better and save a little bit of money kind of thing if you know what you're doing. Yeah. But it's also one of those guitars that's very obscure. So like to get a body and neck off of Warmoth, you're already like over a grand kind of shit. So it's like, uh, you know, it's a toss up kind of thing. But that would probably be like if I had to make one, that's what it would be. Um, I'd say like if I had to purchase one, if I could find like the old, sorry, I get super obscure with this nerdy shit. But like the the prototype Fender Marauder, if you've ever, if you could ever. Look at that. It's it's a weird guitar. They never made it in production until like a couple years ago and like it's part of the Master Built series so they're like 10 grand which is just yeah, absurd. Unreal. If you, anybody listening or watching, if you've never checked out the Marauder, it's definitely the coolest offset Fender that like never made but they definitely should have. Um, 
that's probably my dream stuff because it's like unattainable. <laughs> yeah, it kind of had some similar traits to like a. I, I'd say if you haven't seen it, definitely check it out. But I think kind of like the base of it or the launching point would be like kind of what you would see like on a Jaguar to some degree as far as like the switches and stuff, right? Yeah. So so it's it's a full scale guitar. It was well, it was a full scale guitar. It was almost like jazz master size, but with like plates like a ja- like a Jaguar. It, the original one had the proto headstock for the Starcaster, so that's where it actually came from. And then it had like a, I think it had a Strat vibrato unit on it at first, but then they adopted like the Jazzmaster one or the Mustang one when it was supposed to go into production, which they all look pretty sick, so I don't know which one was actually the prototype. But uh, nonetheless, the, the reissues have the, the Jazzmaster vibrato on it, which are pretty cool, and you know, I'm sure they've refined it a little bit. Um, but yeah, it's kind of like, it was like the end of the offset making line for them, I think. And it just got too crazy where they're like, nobody's going to do this. So like, let's just cease production. Um, they made like a, like a 2015 or 12 or some weird, like modern player version of it. It didn't have all like the cool stuff. I almost want to buy one of those and just route the hell out of it and make it like the original or something like that. Yeah, sorry, we're going on the nerd. Yeah, that's here. okay. <laughs> Absolutely, like I like getting weird with the guitars and stuff. I've got a it was a seventies uh, breadwinner ovation when they made electric guitars, and yeah. they got the Deacons and the Breadwinners. That's the only ones they ever made. It's kind of like a family heirloom that's been passed down to me, and it is one wacky guitar. <laughs> like it sounds weird. It's got this weird phasing that it does. Actually, it'd be a great shoegaze guitar, really. I had it all fixed up finally and uh, cuz my dad did some like wacky ass shit where the bridge on it was like <laughs> it, the it was like had a reverse screw set on it so to actually take the strings off you had to like screw down on the bridge and then it popped the bridge up okay. and then it was string through and then all the like the nuts and everything are on it are nylon even the bridge parts where the strings rest down where you set the intonation and stuff is nylon like you would not want to make a guitar like this today. <laughs> like it's got its co- weird corks, right? But um, I don't know. It's kind of awesome. It sounds weird. You can get all kinds of weird sounds out of it. It's technically two straight coil pickups in it, but they have encasements on them that look like like SG humbuckers almost on on the sure. top of them. So, but yeah, you can get this weird phasing. There's like selecting between the pickups and stuff, and it's like I've never heard anything like it. Like as far as a guitar that I've played in person. So, you know, I just like having that little guy sitting in the corner. If I want to get weird with something, I'll break him out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, the Ovation stuff is wild. The, I think, was it like 80s when they did that? Like the solid yeah, body stuff? 70, 70s into the 80s, yeah. 70s, yeah, okay, I got you. Yeah, I think an old guitar teacher of mine or something. I know somewhere along the line, I've seen somebody with one of those wild, like high-end, like electric Ovations. And I know there's one called like the Viper or something like that. That's kind of cool. It's like a Les Paul shape or something like that. Um, but I don't hate when they attempted that. I mean, they were always kind of on the forward end of stuff with that whole, like, you know, kind of bold out plastic back end kind of thing. But I mean, they always played nice, even like the cheap ones that I played over the years. But those are definitely cool guitars. Like, I think the switching stuff, kind of what you're talking about, like getting it out of phase and, you know, just having different arrangements with that. I, I, I like that for like studio stuff. I hate that for like live scenarios because yeah. it's like I almost just don't even apply it to live scenarios because it's like sure. too much to like worry about. I, I built like a stripped down guitar, like the cheapest thing I can build to like take out just in case it breaks or gets stolen or crap like that. But for studio stuff, I mean, uh, what is it? Brian Brian May is like his you know homemade guitar that has now become like a mass produced cool Brian May thing. Like that's got all kinds of switching on like the three single coils or whatever. 
I almost want to get one of those just to like see what it's about. And like it's actually a pretty cool shape. I think if it didn't have like the queen connotation, if you you know if you're not trying to be the classic rock kind of guitar, like I think that would do well with like other crowds if it wasn't so geared towards you know sounding like Brian May or something like that. Because it's got some uniqueness to it, and a lot of like the the phasing capabilities would lend well to kind of like you said, like you know the the more like uh, reverbed out kind of like single coil you know, it sounds let's hop off the music once again. And let's ask you if there was an actor to be casted in a biopic about you, who would that be? And why <laughs> I would go Brad Pitt. Just I've always had a man crush on. Brad Absolutely. Pitt. That's a good master. He's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. He's a pretty cool guy. Yeah. I mean, he's just one of those guys that I don't know. I, I definitely haven't seen everything he's in, but every time I like him, like, all right, like he's, he's pretty cool. He just, I mean, I was fight club and stuff like that, where he just makes the mark of like ultimate cool guy. But, I don't know. He just—he seems like one of those guys that just doesn't get. He's kind of like it was just cool and like seems pretty laid back most of the time. From Missouri too, you can't go wrong with another Missouri boy. Yeah, yeah, for sure, right? Yeah. On Reddit, actually, the other day, it was go. It was making the rounds. A picture of him at Missouri State, I think, is where he went in '84 or something like that. Okay. And it was like his freshman year, and he was like. When he's you know, short shorts. Yeah, it was real scrawny. Yeah, he was real scrawny. Yeah, guy, I think, it was. Guy. It was funny to see him in that state. Yeah, you know, I mean, I saw his his early work. You know, stuff like uh, Thelma and Louise, and he's in uh, True Romance. He's like the the stoner on the couch <laughs> in cool. that movie as well. So, like, you know, I've seen his early work. I saw him close to that time, but it's still funny to see him in that connotation. You know, before he's the star of Brad Pitt. You know. Right. Yeah, he's definitely one of those where I feel like he just leans into himself most for the definitely. acting. I think that's where I, I I like most actors, and that might not be like the most you know like award worthy approach to finding something like you know it's like oh like they're not going to be able to morph a whole lot. But I think he does a pretty good job. But he also just like it's I mean Robert Downey Jr. is not one that I'm like super like in love with or anything like that. But he he definitely just plays himself, and he's made a whole career on just basically playing himself which is like the ticket i feel like you yeah know, for sure if you if you can market like your own personality as like an actor trade i mean hell yeah that's <laughs> this easy money uh let's say you can book any show with any bands all time still is going to open for them here's <laughs> the three other bands that still is going to play with pick three i mean if i had to like just you know make a wish list of like things that would be applicable to that sound i'd say like War would definitely be in there because I don't know when the hell that's ever going to happen again. Like, they tease everybody with music, but who knows if it's actually going to, you know, come to fruition again. I'd say, like, Slow Dive would be cool to see. They're definitely still accessible. I mean, I I just haven't had the opportunity to, but I feel like, you know, now that they're older, they've probably been able to refine the stuff that they did in the 90s even more so with, like, modern, you know, sound technology and just, like, mixes in-house and stuff like that. It'd be cool to see Suwaki like live, maybe front to back. That'd be cool if I could just make that happen. And then I'd say like I have already seen my buddy Valentine, but I was fortunate enough to see them on like the twenty eighteen tour or something like that. Nice. Um, but I'd like to see them again, like in a scenario where it's not so like just slammed up against other people. Like maybe you know like a cap of like like five hundred people in this place or something like that. <laughs> like. Because we saw him in Chicago, and it was cool, but we were, you know, I mean, we didn't get there like two days beforehand, so we were pretty far back. And um, while it was cool, you know, it's one of those where I feel like it would be neat to see that really close kind of thing, uh, especially with how infrequently they're going to probably do anything for the foreseeable, you know, next 20 years. But 
they keep teasing like albums every you know i mean that's pretty much his thing but it's like you know, they're like at least we got the re-releases of everything that's pretty cool at least for the community i think that was a nice like little hey like the one band that's like known for the genre is actually still going to try to do something so that's pretty cool i'd say those are probably the three if i could pick a dream scenario very cool very cool what about favorite movie all time do you have a favorite movie all time Ooh, that's tough um favorite movie i don't know about favorite movie but favorite tv show is twin peaks oh hell yeah like anything like david lynch related which is definitely one of those like fine lines to walk because some of it's just so out there like it doesn't i mean he doesn't even know what he's trying to do (laughs) but like i i appreciate the approach and like what he does and like it makes you think about stuff um like like way after you watch the show kind of thing which i really appreciate like even when in like writings and stuff like that if if it's not such surface level where it's like okay this is exactly the meaning and here's the beginning and the end and what you're supposed to do like i think like interpretation is pretty cool um i'd say like anything weird like that is kind of what i like hang on to because i don't get bored of it real fast i think you know once you once you get hooked on that kind of stuff when you can just know the plot lines within first five minutes you're like man this is an hour long and i already know what's gonna happen like i really hope this changes (laughs) you know kind of thing or like throws me for a curve somewhere um so like anything like that i'm pretty much into um, you know, like like games like Silent Hill or like you know any of that kind of weird shit where it's like you don't really know what's gonna happen next. Like I'm I'm really into that. <laughs> yeah, Inland Empire is a movie that I like to use as a litmus test in oh, my gosh. friends' uh, you know mo- movie tastes and stuff. Yeah, just throw that one on, see how they feel, and see if they're still sticking <laughs> with you. You're either gonna lose some friends. Yeah, or right, some. right, what... right. It's definitely not one to play for the <laughs> yeah Thanksgiving family rally. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think that like the the more he goes, you know, I mean, Twin Peaks season three was relatively concise and mild and stuff like that comparatively. Um, but I'd say like his movies, like because he gets free reign to basically just be fucking weird. Yeah, it's like, right. They don't even necessarily make sense. You're just watching shit for two hours, and then you have to kind of like sit back and be like, "What was that about?" Like, you, know, you got to watch it a couple more times because, I mean, you'll see things or, like, interpret it differently. I know he's a big proponent of, like, sound. Like, I mean, he he's hands-on with, like, everything. He's very much, like, I get the final cut on everything. But I know he does a lot of the sound design, too. Um, and I know that was, like, a lot of thing when watching, like, Twin Peaks Season 3. Because he got a lot more, like, capabilities on that one to do whatever he wanted. Um, like, some things you couldn't, like, audibly hear. But if you turn on, like, subtitles and stuff... You could hear like crackles and it would be like, this is from this. Like it would give clues and obviously he's in control of the subtitles too because he controls everything. But I don't know. It was a cool aspect to just like a fully submersive kind of experience for like, you know, watching something like you, you didn't just get to passively do anything. You had to pay attention interpret things the whole time. Yeah. There's a few shows that I've watched from start to finish uh, more than once, you know, because TV shows are long and so on, but Twin Peaks is one of those few shows that I've watched from start to finish, you know, the series itself more than once, for sure. It's a great, great, great yeah, show. I mean, that's one of those TV shows where, like, it seems like people watch that and they either are like, oh, that was a cool show, or they either are just like, I couldn't follow that at all. Or some people are like, that's the best show I've ever seen in my life. Like, I think that's, like, that's a great, like, just, like... I don't know. It's a great bookend to like what he does as a, you know, just kind of creator. It's like you, 
you're, you, you're not even going to know sometimes what the fuck he's trying to do, but like you're either going to love it or you're going to hate it. And that's fine either way. Like, Absolutely. So Michael, tell the good folks, what's something you're currently spending? What's something you're listening to right now? Heavy in the rotation. Um, I'd say like daily, it's still one of the, like the new Japanese house album is pretty good. Um, I like it front to back. It's definitely got enough flavors to keep me interested. Um, Let's see. I know I'm super late to the game, but the wife turned me on to the story so far, which is pretty cool. I used to like pop punk a lot, but I kind of got out of it, you know, after just doing it. And like, you know, things change over the years. Uh, but that last album they put out, Proper Dose, is actually really good. Like from a production standpoint, yeah. too. That's kind of where I'm looking good from. Like the, the the melodies are really cool, and I like the the recording process and the vocals. I think is what makes me like it so much. There's just like harmonies on everything. It's double. It's almost like. I don't know, like in both sides all the time. I think that's why most of that stuff sticks. And it's like, it does that thing where it's like, it's just simple. Like it doesn't try to do too much. Um, you know, the riffs are placed correctly and like they're hooky and everything just kind of hits the mark. Um, it's like, I don't know. I feel like it's like everything Newfound Glory was trying to do in like the post 2000s, but like couldn't hit the mark. And now, you know, like they're just kind of taking over that mantle kind of thing. Have you ever checked out No Pressure? It's a side project. It's got various members of other bands, but a guy from the story so far is in that as well. They're kind of a, they're a pop punk, but like more in the vein of nineties, Blink-182 and a little hardcore okay. influence. Yeah. They're really good. Check that out. I, I, I'm trying to dive more into like different stuff that, I mean, I, I obviously used to listen to that stuff like we all did, but I think I've gotten away from all the, like the newer popular bands because I'm just you know getting older and my ability to take in new information <laughs> is getting shorter. Yeah. But I appreciate, like, you know, just all the newer stuff that kind of gets people excited about rock music still and doesn't just divert it to beats, which is not bad either. I appreciate cool beats. And, like, when it calls for it, it's, it's good and everything. But I think the the whole, like, four in the floor playing an instrument thing, I don't want to say it's going away, but it's becoming a weird kind of thing where it's, you know, it, it's not like you're being in a band anymore. It's like, I play this. I'm going to go meet up with this person. And they played this their whole life, but we never jam together. We just know each other from the Internet kind of thing. Which is cool too, um, but you know, I just uh, I don't know. I, I think keeping instruments alive is important. I just, you know work at a guitar shop and just do the passing along of any information I can to kind of keep that stuff relevant. Um, I think it's good for the community. So, Michael, what's the best way for our audience to stay in touch with Still and all the cool stuff that you guys have going on? Um, I'd say probably Instagram is the most easy way to actually get you know us to like see it um, we all monitor it but we're all you know 30 plus so we have like other stuff we're doing too so um i'd say like i, I i'm honestly not sure if we have a facebook page um we probably need to make one um but instagram is probably the easiest i know there's Bandcamp. um i'm pretty sure there's a twitter which is now i guess just x right <laughs> i don't right. know another topic for the elon conversation i still but, call it uh, twitter i still that's what yeah. i call it <laughs> yeah. that's one of those that's just going to stick for like the rest of time i don't think anybody's going to take it seriously but yeah i'd say that you know just reach out to us i mean especially if it's you know when's new stuff coming out it's always kind of tentative until it does come out or if like like merch and stuff like that we definitely have merch for like live shows i should probably put that online but you know how that goes um but if you want a shirt or something like reach out to us i think there's pictures of it I'm just bad about uploading like the quantities and stuff like that to the internet. So if anybody sees anything, just hit us up on Instagram. We probably got something to, you know, either send your way or whatever, you know, if it's ever. 
about the new stuff. Yeah, Very cool. if you guys ever need us to share anything for you, just let us know, man. New music, anything like that, we'd be happy to share it for you on the pod. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll pass along. Like uh, we got like new. I mean, we've got all the new stuff, but I'll pass along some artwork and you know, obviously like the singles out and stuff like that. And I can you know whip up a short little teaser for like the new song or something. And I luckily make everything here so it's like we can you know make some random media that is like 30 seconds long but we'll figure that part out shoot you a new song or something like that very cool yeah so anybody that's on the live call today uh and seeing this of course we always have the production piece of the show that drops uh, after in the coming days and we will be having some song clips of still and we're gonna have a full length at the close of the show so folks you know stick in there for that hear what michael and still has to offer for your ear candy you won't be disappointed <laughs> yeah absolutely and of course in the episode details we're also going to have links to check these guys out where to follow them on social media we'll have their instagram url also a link to their band camp guys support these gentlemen and their endeavor that they have going let's keep this thing alive it's really cool to have a band that i enjoy listening to out of st louis in that shoegaze realm you know there's I, I love hardcore. I love heavy music, but shoegaze yeah, is one of those. It's limited in our community. Yeah, one of those bands. Um, you know that that type of genre in the Midwest, specifically St. Louis, I feel like it's a little thin. And I'm glad you guys are out there, kind of bearing the cross, Michael. <laughs> Heck yeah, man! We're glad to do it. Uh, it's nice to you know be in a community where everybody seems to be pretty welcoming of the product because there's you know I guess a lack thereof. So we'll keep on keeping on, and you know every time we got something new to put out, we'll try to do it in the coolest way we can. <laughs> That's all I got to Well, we want to thank you for your time. You've been so generous this evening, Michael. We appreciate you. And folks, be sure to check out Still at the close of the episode. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thank you all for sticking around after the break. We'd like to thank Michael from Still for joining the call today and talking about all the things that Still has going on and getting to know him a little bit better. Yeah, absolutely. Great guy. Um, good to talk to him. And like I said, guys, go. it's another St. Louis band, so make sure you get out and support the community and support artists in the community. And we've said this several times throughout this episode, there's not a lot of shoegaze bands in this area, so it's cool to see a good one be out and in the front yeah. limelight. So, yeah, great guy. I'm right. sh- I, I, we didn't really get to meet all the other members. I'm sure we will, you know. But, uh, yeah, great guy. Good music. Support these guys. It's good to see there are some other shoegaze bands in the St. Louis area, but not in the vein at which these guys are kind of doing it. And it's kind of down that alley of like bands like Were, like we talked about on the call. Right. Uh, the little heavier side of shoegaze. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't know. Is it? I guess it is shoegaze, but it's, yeah. It's shoegaze without but, question. Yeah, it's definitely more heavier aspect. Yeah. Yeah. There's a little bit of a fullness there. Uh, you know, shoegaze is one of those cool genres that kind of you know, pulls from various things you know alternative music um a little bit of new wave a little bit of post-punk uh, elements are behind it especially if you're talking about somebody like the cocktail twins yeah it's in an evolution period it really is right. uh, i think michael actually hit it on that like talking about like new gays and stuff like that right. like yeah it's just it's in an evolutionary period so it's cool to see all these people doing different things and with it one of my absolute favorite bands that do it on the heavy side of things more modern day is nothing and you know yeah they're they're a band that i was fortunate enough to have seen about 
uh, I guess it was almost a year ago now. Damn. Uh, up at Del Mar Hall, it's went by quick, but uh, they were touring with Boris, which Boris was a bucket list band for me to see. And that was a fantastic show. But yeah, nothing's kind of in that same schoolhouse scene and, and blooming period that like a band like Water was. So that's kind of where Stills at. It's right. kind of in that yeah. range of things. You guys have heard him in the clips going into the interview with Michael, out of the interview with Michael. And then guys, stick around at the end of the episode. You're going to get a full song of Still from St. Louis. So let's talk about what we got going on next week. I am very excited about our next week's guest. Our next week's guest for the ATI podcast is going to be none other than Calvin McRoy. Well, you know I'm excited, baby. Not waving but drowning. Past life tiger. <laughs> Uh, we've got Last Flight Home, of course, yeah. a huge influence on us and impacted our friendship. Still to this and day, a huge absolutely. influence on me musically. Absolutely, just one of the one of the best that don't get their flowers enough in the music scene. Uh, yeah, again, you can go back to the not waving but drowning comment absolutely. earlier and say the same things there. They were so groundbreaking at the time, and uh, hopefully, we'll be hearing some new stuff from them in the future too. But Calvin's just got a lot of stuff going on. Flow Clinic, another. He's got some members of Not Waving But Drowning in that project. Um, he's just done so many cool things musically. He's a great drummer. Time and time, how could we forget? Farmington area, middle area band was basically Calvin and the members from, um, well, I guess Winter Like Death slash Firebird Suite slash... Right, it was Meridian. kind of a smorgasbord. I forget what else Meridian called themselves at whatever point, like subterranean or something i don't know some geographical type thing but yeah brody and tony yeah that piece of it but you know all good musicians all good guys all solid dudes and um calvin fits that bill calvin was somebody that early on i just immediately gravitated towards his playing just his flow as a drummer his pocket is just deep as a drummer and he's got a groove to him Absolutely. There's drummers that, there's kind of all different shades of musicians and drummers specifically. You know, I get into that drummer talk myself because that's kind of my main thing. But, you know, drummers, when it comes to drummers, there's those that are heavy on technique. There are those that are heavy pocket drummers, you know, this and that. I think Calvin's kind of an amalgamation of a lot of that, but he leans a little bit more toward that John Bonham hemisphere. It's kind of like, I always categorize, yeah. Drummers into two categories. You're either a Neil Peart guy right. or you're a John Bottom guy. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with either of them. They're both great drummers. But John Bottom's more about bringing the thunder and grooving, whereas Neil Peart is more technicality right. on top of the beat, right. you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. And that and both are fine. There's right. nothing wrong with either. Just Everybody's two different styles. Them. It's like, you know, some people like chocolate, some people like vanilla. Right. I'm a vanilla guy. I like them both. I like to groove. I like to mix them up. Well, you know, there are occasions that which, yes, you need to implement a little chocolate. You know what I'm saying? Get a little chocolate sauce on it. Yeah, I'm just excited to talk with Calvin. I haven't seen Calvin in a long time or spoke with Calvin in a long time. And like you said, such some of the bands that he's been in have been such huge influences for not only me, you two, I mean, yeah, our yeah. friends. I mean, so it'd be so cool to catch up with him. And even to talk about Last Flight Home, like, yeah, that, you know. Probably going to be a lot of Last Flight Home. Yeah, talking. yeah. I wish we could get Rusty to come on. Yeah, I mean, what can we say that we haven't said before about you know last light home specifically again such a formative band in our friendships kind of really informed a lot of our music decisions marcus was huge on me specifically yes. just because he was kind of from yeah. the same area as me and we've had him on the show twice specifically marcus newstead of fister path of my past life tiger himself last flight home himself <laughs> last flight home himself bastard 
Daybringer. Yeah. And he's kind of doing it all up there in St. Louis. But and these he's guys. fucking bartends and like serves food and like the dude does the fuck it all, The fucker's busy man. all the time. Goddamn. Yeah, for sure. Love that guy. But yeah, really looking forward to the conversation with Calvin. I know he's got all kinds of road stories, all that type of shit. Maybe we'll have some time for some of that. But I really want to lean into talking about Calvin specifically. He's yeah. A, he's a fucking, he's one of the funniest dudes I've ever met. Yeah. You, yeah. you will not got have my, a conversation with, with Calvin without like losing your shit at least one time. He's got, he's got a quick wit about him that is subtle. Right. Right. You know, too. And that, that type of shit's right up my alley for sure. Yeah. And a huge horror movie buff like we are. Awesome. Bruce Campbell fan, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah, always find some he's a family man. Like that. He's got kids and family love man. to talk about all that. Yeah, so. got the career shit in line as well. So, you know, we can relate on many, many levels with that fellow. We'll be a good guest. One, one other thing I want to point out for next week. Next week, we also have, and there will be some teasers about this, uh, Brandon is taking on Knobnard's Closet, episode three. Now with his second guest on the show. And uh, he's going to be emanating live on the 30th. So that's Wednesday night. So actually ahead of our conversation with calvin here on the flagship show ati podcast but knobnard's closet's coming back at you hosted by brandon stewart of at all's in and uh, he's got a another new talented uh, miniature guy in the scene that'd be awesome and so looking forward to that and um, brandon's constantly working on ideas you know to change things up on the show so i think we're going to see even more new wrinkles and um thanks for everybody that Tuned into the last one with his episode with Colsifer. Uh, it's one of our more higher rated and shared episodes that we've had. We had it on the main feed, but it's also, of course, on the ATI podcast YouTube channel for On Demand. The video piece of it continuing. It'll be just like waxing on with RJ. It'll be mainly video aspect, and it's not going to be audible. Might replace one of our episodes in the future when we need a break, but... Neither here nor there, just kind of expose our audience to some other stuff, people that are into the role-playing games and the D&D world and miniature paintings and all of that stuff. And I actually found myself, you know, very fascinated by the conversation that Colsifer and Brandon had. And it didn't seem like a, you know, 50-minute conversation, I believe it was, you know, went by very quickly. And uh, two guys in the D&D community, and uh, I love, you know, the fact that that's such a community that pays dividends and pays it back to, you know, other people and good works as well. Speaking of Waxing On, we've got a brand new episode of Waxing On 15 out there. It's a concept episode. We talked about teasing it. Ten most spilled albums. Physical media. Must have that physical media. I put out my list that I talked about on the last episode, too. So my list is available for view online. And talking today to Michael of Still, I realized that I totally forgot to fucking put Hums Inlet on my list, which definitely is probably actually in my top 10. So something in my top 10 probably got booted down. Oh, shit. Um, that, that record I've listened to as much almost as uh failure's fantastic planet that in chat piles god's country and uh you know some of those ones that i had up closer to the top of my list like it's definitely probably my top five rotation it's got such cashy riffs and uh, michael talked about it a little bit but hum hum inlet folks check it out if you haven't <laughs> great album great album 2020 was I believe i believe it was my record of the year that year if i remember correctly so it's a really good album so check out Waxing On episode 15. It's out everywhere. We've shared the links for it. It's on the YouTube channel. We've put up clips. And I think uh, they've got a really good variety on this episode, too. they yeah. got something in every genre, just about, uh, with the exception of country, I think, is the only thing that they didn't touch. But they also have kind of an alt-country album on there, too. So there's that. So, you know, we're always bringing the variety on the ATI Podcast Network. Expect us to keep doing the same. 
Tune in next week for our conversation with Calvin on 831. If you want to see it live on Twitch, usually about the 730 p.m. time central. And then no fear if you don't catch the live discussion, you're going to get the on-demand version in the following days. For this week, I am Barrett. At Barry Insane on Instagram and Twitter is where you can find me most active on social media. He's Josh underscore Joshua Welch on Instagram, and we are out of time. Good night and good luck. And stay safe out there.
Hey, this is Josh from ATI Podcast. For show updates and news about the podcast, follow us on social media. You can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash ATI Podcast 22, on Twitter at podcast underscore ATI, on Instagram at the ATI Podcast, on TikTok at ATI Podcast. DMs are always welcome. Have a question for the show? You can always email us at atipodcastquestions at gmail.com. Stay safe out there. This is Barrett from the ATI Podcast. Each week, Josh and I discuss current events, pop culture, music, TV, movies, politics, sports. Nothing is out of bounds. You can also tune in to learn about rising artists, small businesses, whether it's music, graphic design, filmmaking, or even a brick-and-mortar mom-and-pop shop. We'll be spotlighting folks and their endeavors. Listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Anchor, or anywhere you enjoy your podcast. Just search ATI Podcast. We would like to thank you for your continued support. And as always, please stay safe out there.